This is the Pickle Planet Podcast with Jenna and Tosh. Sit back and get a drink. Let's talk about parenting and how to survive it. Welcome to the podcast, the Pickle Planet Podcast, everybody. Thanks for being here. We have a full room today. This is really exciting. <laughs> it is very it is. exciting. We haven't had, we've had a guest on the show before, but we've not had three guests at <laughs> once. So this is very exciting. So, uh, so that our listeners have a little idea of who's who that they're going to hear. Maybe everyone could just kind of uh, quickly introduce themselves and then we'll jump into things. Hi, I'm Melanie Eldridge. I uh, work at the Capitol Theater as the Director of Development and I'm also a very big fan of Pickle Planet, so I'm excited to be here. Uh, my name is Amy Wolderak and I'm a teacher in Anglophone East School District. And I'm Kim Nelson, also a teacher in the Anglophone uh, School District. So we, we've convened this special group of the podcast, this special edition, to talk about something that's a very important topic that's very close to, to all of you, the four of you, really. Um, and I think maybe we'll start by, if everyone could just kind of give a little bit of their story dealing with pregnancy, uh, loss, and infant loss. Okay. <laughs> Take a breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's about yeah. to get deep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, in 2010, uh, my husband and I um, found out that we were pregnant with our first child, Charlotte, our daughter. Uh, And uh, a few months in, we found that um, she had a somewhat rare condition called omphalocele, um, which is, uh, you know, is is very serious. Um, We decided that uh, we were going to have our daughter, which we did, and hope for the best. We had an incredible experience. She lived for 36 days. Uh, in the neonatal intensive care unit in uh, at CHEO, the Children's Hospital of Ontario. We lived at Ottawa uh, at the time. And uh, yeah, and uh, she, she died after 36 days. We had some really incredible experiences in there, uh, which were very, very life-changing and, uh, and really affected us very positively, of course, I mean. Yeah, that's, that's the short of it. <laughs> There's a very much longer story. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, but we'll, uh, we'll come back to, to some of the some of that in a bit, but maybe, mm-hmm. Amy, if you want to tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, um, so I'm trying to think of the year now. Uh, 2014, I believe. Um, we found out in May that we were pregnant with our first child, uh, a son, Patrick. Um, when I was uh, 17 weeks pregnant, my water broke, and um, no, we have no clue why still that happened, but it did. Um, so we, we recommend, it was recommended and we tried for... Um, a week or so to see if the water would come back because sometimes it can and see if we could continue the pregnancy um, but it didn't so I was induced and then Patrick was born uh, at 19 weeks and he lived for nine hours. Kim? And <clears throat> I delivered my son Landon at 38 weeks five days gestation. Um, I went into the hospital just not feeling a lot of movement and just feeling things that weren't quite right and we learned um, at our appointment that he no longer had a heartbeat and so um, again another life-changing experience um, for the positive and we got to spend some really precious time with him and he's a huge part of our family. Uh, Our daughter Mason we found uh, we were pregnant with her in same thing Amy I'm like it was 2006 (laughs) now. My very first doctor's appointment to hear the heartbeat the doctor couldn't find her heartbeat so I got sent directly to radiology, where um, they did the ultrasound and immediately admitted me to the hospital without telling me what was wrong. One doctor came in and said, the baby's head is too small. So we went home thinking that her head was too small, and what do you do with the, we don't know what 
that means. So just go back to your doctor. Then put into maternal fetal care at the Moncton Hospital. And they explained that it's not that her head's too small. It was actually that her head was too big. Uh, and that she had uh, water on the brain. And uh, she also had Down syndrome. And so we watched her and we had weekly appointments. But the water on the brain continued to get worse. And at 20 weeks, uh, her water on her brain was so bad that it had pushed her brain into her spine. So uh, then we made the decision to terminate the pregnancy. And that's that. So here we are now. <laughs> <laughs> All shaken. And yeah, yeah, exactly. This many years yeah. later, and it is still it's so crazy. hard to get that story out. It yeah. Is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, time does, does definitely some good, but it's still... You talk about them, and it just brings you back to that moment. Yeah. yeah. I find exactly. it makes it easier to communicate it, like, articulately, but you're never going to find it easy emotionally, yeah. right, to discuss. Yeah. So I always still feel very upset and tears and such, right? But I find I'm more... It's hard to find a word comfortable discussing it because I understand the value of it. You yeah, know? absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. still, of course, always very difficult. Yeah. I think we should maybe touch on that and about what you said, the, the importance of talking about it and the reason that all four of you were willing to come and sit here and you know spend a, a lovely morning going back through all these emotions. <laughs> and, and Amy and Kim, you guys have spent time now creating an event around this. So maybe talk a little bit about that importance to you about sharing the stories. Yeah, so um, Amy and I um, co-found the Walk to Remember Moncton, which is an event at the Moncton Hospital to a community event to just support um, anyone who's experienced a loss in pregnancy and infancy. And it was really important for us, and it always is every year, just to um, welcome everybody and value everybody's experience because we have people that are coming in who maybe only knew they were pregnant for one day or somebody who had a child that lived for 36 days or um so it's it's really important for us that people have um a sense of community and feel supported to share their story and know that each experience is valued the same every um, child matters regardless of mm-hmm. you know. yeah 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 100 well said did you find that you had a hard time with people not valuing that at certain points yeah definitely um i found it's um it's like without getting to just some people maybe just naturally a bit more empathetic than others and if, if you've never been through anything like this then it's hard to you know people don't always know what to say but just the you know having comments of like oh well would you would you still consider Patrick to be your first child or would, would you know would, would your next baby that you get to bring home actually be your first kid and would you know and and like why well, I, I you know I didn't get to meet him so I didn't really like to me it, he didn't exist because you know and so it was so it's just the which is just an, a matter of being uneducated I think it's just kind of the, the approach I have to take of you know people never intend to be that cruel with their words but they just really don't understand when it's like you're you know I've, I've read before just you know like that when you have a child like your heart lives outside of you and then and then when you have to bury that heart and just like just not understanding that connection that you have and how like it's it's still your child regardless of of how long they were in your belly or how long you knew they existed and um yeah so the just the more the more you talk about it and I don't feel like for us, we um, we just went through. Um, I sidetracked. We went through 
just got home last week. Our, we, we've since had a child who's about to turn one, but we just got back from the IWK. He had to have some pretty major surgery last week, and um, a lot of the you know the nursing staff would ask like, oh, is you know, do you have any brothers or sisters at home? Which was just a question I was totally unprepared for, and so I I found myself saying like, oh, he, yeah, he has an older brother, but we didn't get to take him home, and and so and just you know rewind to because it took us a while to get pregnant again. So rewind to if we'd had. Michael sooner I don't know and if we hadn't done this work with the walk and I hadn't talked about Patrick so much I don't know if I would have shared that as openly or if I would have had that because for a long time I avoided social events because I didn't want to ask the question of do you have kids because at the time it was like no we didn't have kids and we were having difficulty getting pregnant again so it was so I think the the talking about it makes it helps the grief along and just has helps educate others in the like it's it's not something that you just sweep under the rug when it happens and you you know it's 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 a major life event that changes your life forever and your perspective and I find I often have to remind myself to um like just depending on the situation that you're in if you're at a work event or wherever sometimes I'll get asked that question like oh do you only have the one and Sometimes I give that quick answer like yes because I don't want to have to explain the whole the whole story and you know it's that feeling of guilt and you know the what I stand behind which is to support everyone to be able to to say how they feel but um, getting back to your original question too like I know when people who haven't experienced it often don't know what to say and so sometimes we'll get the comments like oh you'll you'll be able to have another one and you know mm-hmm. and I've my goal of mine is that everybody knows like you know you can't re- it's not a replacement child when the second one comes and um if it does come if it does come <laughs> yes. and and um yeah so just being cognizant of, of those kind of comments but also being realistic and knowing that people are trying to give you hope and they don't really know what to say and I think that's why it's really important that we do these talks and give this um information or education out to the public so that if they come across someone or experience that themselves that the knowledge is out there and it's not taboo to talk about it and and that's that's a major thing is that for so long it was taboo right you didn't yeah. talk about miscarriages you didn't talk about any any loss of any sort with involving children and I find you know well I never had any miscarriages I don't know why you're having so many miscarriages and why and no you just didn't know that you were pregnant that's the thing like technology has increased so much now like back then you waited until like what you'd missed four periods and they're like oh maybe I am pregnant yeah instead of a week yeah yeah so now we track everything and it's, yeah. yeah and it's yeah. interesting that you say that because I had the op- opposite experience with my grandmother she also had a stillborn um at the end of her pregnancy and I didn't know that until I I did at 30 wow. years old right yeah. so it's 30 years that this went unspoken you know around Jeez. me and so it's just so unfortunate that it's not talked about and those children aren't celebrated the Mm -hmm. way that they should be. And I had that same experience. My middle name is Elaine and I didn't learn for many years that um, my mother's sister passed away. I believe she lived for about a day. Um, So my grandmother also. And it really, I can't explain how baffled we were when we found out, you know, that we had complications with Charlotte. It was like a tidal wave of stories of other people who Mm. could relate and you hear nothing at yeah. all until it happens to you yeah. mm-hmm. and then it's a beautiful thing that people want to offer support I know it's a very private very vulnerable thing to talk about obviously but we couldn't get over it so many people we knew so many people we related to would say you know like we had we had 
challenges too where we had these experiences too it was really amazing I wonder if that's part of it because I think of like when when we lost Patrick and I went back to school we had I had some staff members who I never knew came and and you know one who was like I you know lost a baby in 1985 and I still think about that baby all the time and I I wonder if it's partly people open up because they know that you get it now so because to share your story and have it met with you know a cold wall of like oh well try you know try try again or you mm-hmm. know like it just that takes just knocks the wind out of your sails and it takes so much from you that it's people I think that's why people are scared sometimes to share unless they know okay this is a safe place for me to share because I know this person's gonna understand and yeah. and value my experience and not just kind of like well yeah you know it happens it's Jason and I for a lot of years kept quiet with what Mason did but because of the decision that we had to make it took us personally a long time to get over the fact that we had to terminate the pregnancy so and that of course is taboo too right like you know nobody wants to talk about that but then at some point you have to like we did the best thing we could for our daughter like that that was the best decision for her but it took me eight years to realize that that was the best decision that we could have made for her so it's when there's a double whammy taboo on it too it makes it more difficult for people but at the same time um you get people who for example when i was pregnant with sarah and i went on mat leave from the radio station i didn't tell anybody that i was going on mat leave or that i was pregnant until the day i left and i got a message from a listener that said you must be embarrassed of this pregnancy because why wouldn't you tell us and share with us all that you're pregnant it's they don't understand what we've been through before Mm -hmm. and that because of mason i have will always have high risk pregnancies because she had down syndrome so we were told with sarah that she was probably going to have down syndrome and she was testing positive for it like uh just because i was already flagged and because we were 29 by the time sarah was born you know you get that the old lady label (laughs) (laughs) so it's yeah you kind of wonder where you fit into that story Mm -hmm. so uh, it's nice now to, to fit into a story and, and have people to talk to about it, too. I love, I really respect uh, the spectrum of experience here around this table. You know, I've read uh, about different stories here, but I didn't, it didn't occur to me before getting here that, you know, we have someone who lost their child earlier in pregnancy, later in pregnancy, someone who had to make the decision. We also, although Charlotte had lived for 36 days, had to make the decision yeah. when it was time to end her life as well, which, right. you know, she had been born but you know it was it's it was a very obviously a very difficult and complex decision and it's something that I still you know carry with me as well even mm-hmm. though you know it's when when we were pregnant and actually found out I found it fascinating the doctors were they were fantastic and also because of the complications that we had and because of the risks associated it was almost felt sometimes like it was assumed that we would choose to end the pregnancy Um, No one, of course, ever said, that's what you should do. But they said, here are the complications, you know, here are the chances. It is very serious. You are young. You can have more children. You can try again. So we'll take, you know, these couple of tests, come back in X weeks, we'll take one more test, and then we'll talk to you about that process. And it almost was, I felt like we almost could have just been led down that path, which is fine. And, you know, we considered both options. But then at the end of the day, we decided that we wanted to give it a shot. But um, it almost seemed to us like that was the natural path, again, that we almost kind of went against what was expected as the norm in that situation by choosing to to go through with, you know, mm-hmm. with the delivery and with the birth. Um, so, yeah, that's, I just really, I really feel a lot of appreciation right now for that spectrum of experiences and how much, yeah. 
it's off. funny the the choice aspect too, because that's I guess part of the story that I don't always highlight. But like we also made the choice to end because when we when we found out that the water wasn't coming back, it was the same as like, well, here's the list of complications, and he he might still grow for a bit, but if he was here's all the things, and then most like you know, and all those things, and so you you do yeah you you make the choice that you never think you're going to have to, and you yeah. you do you genuinely think you're you know you're doing what's best for your child because you know just but it's. It, it, it's all, it's like, here's here's an awful choice or here's another awful choice. Yeah. What's, choose yeah. your awful because there's no, there's no right or wrong. It's all, I remember the doctors telling us that so many times, like, it, there's, it's not black and white. Nothing is ever black and white. It's always these shades of gray that just, you make a choice and then that's, yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> how did the process work for you guys moving forward? forward I, I don't like that term but obviously you you have come to a different point now in in your process of grieving and living and and I'm wondering you know for people that are listening who might still be in those earlier stages what was the process that you took to get to where you are now to be able to sit here and and talk like this I'm going to jump in with I feel like I'm monopolizing but I I, was, <laughs> I don't think anyone else I just don't usually talk this much but um I was super lucky to know Kim because we taught the same school and um and she Landon had passed away two years before Patrick did so when when I when we first found out that we were having complications and it looked like things weren't going to end well I reached out to Kim right away just on email because I, I couldn't handle phone or anything. Mm-hmm. Just that's, yeah. Email is excellent. <laughs> yeah. um, but then once we lost him and I started having like visiting with Kim, she talked about this this walk that she kind of had always wanted to do, and she'd been to the IWK has a walk that she'd been to, and and just was like just couldn't quite get it off the ground doing it solo. It's a big thing to do, mm-hmm. and so yeah. and that was I think he had only been gone a month or so when when I was I just latched on that yes yeah. let's do something yeah. and that was I was I mean partly having someone that I felt so comfortable with to talk to about any and all aspects and all of the feelings I had and, just, and the things too that your body goes through postpartum that you don't think about when you don't have a baby mm-hmm. in your arms like the you know your milk and the hair loss and all those things that still happen um so but um but just having the 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 walk became just that thing to hold on to that that positive that we're gonna you know use this experience and I I personally don't say things happen for a reason anymore because I don't I don't think that you know Patrick passed away so that the walk would happen but it's more the you take the extremely yucky situation and what can you take out of it and and that that was what kind of was my like when you you know you feel like you're drowning in the in the wallow of grieving it's like that reach up like okay but we're working on the walk and this is going to help people and we're going to you know celebrate his life and so that was a big a big thing for help me to help me work through those stages I guess for me um when mine uh when I was in the hospital with Landon because his death was unexpected we had no idea that there were any complications he had down syndrome as well um, when I first had him, I walked out of the hospital three hours after he was born, three, three and a half hours after he was born with IV stuff in hand. And I think for, for me, I got home that evening and I started to um, look at a couple, very few pictures that we had. And I realized how much time I didn't give him. And I had been reading online at all the things I could have done. And so I was completely devastated at how fast that I had went and that, you know, I felt like he wasn't going to know how much we loved him. And fortunately for me, I got to go back the second day and he was still at the hospital. So we got to have a photographer come in. We got to dress him, rock him. And I think because I felt so 
blessed and so fortunate to get that time that many people may not have gotten the chance to do. Uh, I just said, like, I'm going to be positive no matter what. And I kept going through the internet and looking at things that I could do. And my husband and I started fundraising for um, Landon's birthday every year. And we just did all kinds of different fundraisers. And then I had wanted to do the walk. And that was something that I could just, I could see that it was going to happen, but it, it was taking time. And then I was so fortunate um, to have Amy come on board with me, even though it was unfortunate circumstances. Of course, you wish that wouldn't happen. But, um, and then we started doing the walk every year. And so being able to, you know, give people a platform to grieve in whatever way they need to um, is huge in helping grief, right? And so that's that's kind of where I'm at. I really relate to what you folks are saying about, about um, you know, taking, just trying to find what is good out of a difficult situation and clinging to that which we were very blessed actually because we had a couple of situations that changed the circumstances for us one being while uh, Charlotte was in the NICU um, of course we were with her I was with her all the time Um, my husband still continued to work and traveled back and forth to the hospital so one day while we were there someone broke into our apartment in Ottawa and robbed us um, so we came home from the hospital one day and it was like, I remember it was at a better time. It was when we were feeling encouraged. So we had like a good day at the hospital. We were feeling pretty good. I remember we were like laughing when we got home and then realized someone had broken in and kicked in our door and, and robbed us. So of course that was very upsetting, but honestly at the, at the time, like it wasn't really, it wasn't really front of mind for us, obviously, you know? Yeah. So we just sort of tried to put it aside. However, somehow that story got to the newspaper and the paper wrote a story about us. Um, and then we just were so embraced by the community. And beyond that, we started getting letters, you know, from across the country, from across the world. Like the story became, you know, uh, it also talked about Charlotte and about what we were experiencing. And we just got so much love. It was amazing. Uh, and then they asked if we would uh, interview. And earlier you were talking about, you know, things that sort of propel you into speaking about it like the walk to remember which is such a an incredible thing Uh, for me it was similar where they asked if we would talk about our experiences and I felt at the time like it was a really good tool to help promote the hospital because they were incredible the work they were doing the nurses and doctors were so so terrific so that sort of propelled me into talking about my experiences on a a relatively public forum Um, and after that oh my gosh not just the letters like I'm a massive fan of this band, The Weaker Than, their band from Winnipeg. I adore them. My, I played the bass. My bass was stolen when we were robbed, and I adored this instrument. It was very precious to me, so I was quite upset. Dear friends of mine, for some reason I'm not fully understanding still, thought they would write the lead fellow from The Weaker Than, John K. Sampson, who I'm just, I'm a massive fan of this man. He's an incredible musician. And then one day I got a call from him, I have a heart attack. <laughs> I call my friends. No, I email my friends as he's on the phone. I'm saying, John K. Sampson's on the phone. I thought this was created this call. It was amazing. And he called me and he said, listen, uh, I heard your story. He said, it really affected me. He said, I have an old bass. Like, it's been sitting around since I was a teenager. It's, like, toured with me. You know, I've played it, but I haven't played it in many years. I think you would take better care of it. Um, so he sent it to me as a gift. Wow. My favorite musician. Like, I still have it, of course. It's my yeah, prized yeah. possession. I met him afterwards. People reached out to us. People were kind to us. And because of that, you know, it not only made it 
easier a little bit to talk about it, but it made you feel sort of like you had a responsibility to talk about it a little bit because so many people had helped you. And, you know, I had actually a really lovely conversation with my five-year-old yesterday. I was talking to him about coming here. Um, James is very, you know, we talk to James about Charlotte all the time. Um, He has a very, very good understanding and uh, he's very loving about his sister So he asked me why I was coming to do this (laughs) and why I wanted to come and talk about this. And uh, it was it was really meaningful to explain to him how, as we were just saying, often when you have painful or difficult experiences in your life, it helps you to hear from other people who have had those experiences and to feel like you're not alone and to feel like other people have gone through what you've gone through. That helps you. Um, So it really gave me. Uh, a lot to think about yesterday too about coming here and about discussing these things and about hopefully you know as I'm sure you ladies all think about as well like someone else will be listening and will be mm-hmm. be in a position to benefit from it in some way especially when you're in those early dark days of grief yes. and then to hear from other people like no we were there too when it's a really yucky place but there's you, you know just keep reaching for that yes. that next step and one more day and then it, it just it's a horrible thing to say but it does get better like, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it, there are points where you think it's not going to, but yeah. it does. It will. Everything does. I always say does. it gets yeah. different. It gets right? different. It gets yes. different. Yes. 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 It never goes it. away, but it changes. Yeah. And because it changes, some of those days do feel better. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Especially once you, once you have other children, and like you said, they don't replace them, but the feeling completely changes. And... Um, as much as my kids drive me nuts, <laughs> there is not a day that doesn't go by that I don't look at them and I'm not appreciative because we fought so hard for them, right? Yes, so totally. sometimes I have to like lock myself in a corner and remind myself of that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, uh, but there's, yeah, it's a, and not that it takes away from parents that haven't had to go through that um, because everybody loves their kids mm-hmm. like a crazy amount. But it's different when you have that perspective yeah. of, of loss, then you, you have that different value on what's in front of you. And that, that's the one part of your stories that I can kind of relate to because we were told our boys weren't going to mm-hmm. survive. Yes. And so, yeah, every day when they paint the house purple, <laughs> you know, yeah. they go, oh, yeah, they said you only had a 10% chance of showing up and you're here painting my house. And, so. you're right. <laughs> yeah. and then you go lock yourself in a room and remind yourself. <laughs> you focus on the, like, you're here and you're, you're painting yeah. the house. So, yeah. you and know look what? at you. You're fully functional. And yeah. That's it. Yep. You've got, yeah, everything is working. Look at that. <laughs> That small motor skill, and yeah. gross motor skills. Yeah, yeah. You're, really good. you're, you're telling there now. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that though because it really does affect my gratitude. That is one other thing. I truly, you know, whether you want to call it prayer or meditation or you know just being mindful. Before we had Charlotte, you know, I was one of those people which I think are relatively common who stop to do that to reflect or to pray or whatever it is that is right for you when you are in trouble Mm -hmm. or when you need something or when you feel like you know you need to get something but since uh, we had and lost Charlotte I almost every day now take a few minutes and say like you know these are the things I'm grateful for this is what's great about my life instead of wishing things are different I try to think like let's try to focus on being more positive or motivated or whatever it is that I feel like I need at this particular time I find that it's really really drastically made me more more grateful of everything I have which is is so so much so it's amazing you know maybe that's a bit cliche but I do think it's true that a loss 
does really show you what you have, you know. It's like perspective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A perspective you, you wouldn't have otherwise. And yeah. and I know at the at the walk we just hear, you know, hearing different stories from different people and and sometimes you, you know, people look at you and say like, Oh my goodness, I couldn't imagine having gone through that but then we hear stories from other people that you think I couldn't imagine going through that. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's it's everyone and you know, it, it always like your situation I just always think that like it's it could be better but it could be worse. Like you are where you are and just be thankful for for <laughs> where where you are and yeah I kind of laugh when people say like how did you I don't know how you did that or how do you do that I've always say it's like well we just lived our life you know like yeah. you didn't have it. a choice you're, <laughs> your life. Yeah. Yeah. you're on the exactly. moving train and there's just you just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah. yeah and you know you kind of get grouped in a category I remember being at a friend's house after like maybe with a month a month and a half after Landon had passed and my friend was talking about another lady who had a loss and for her she had had the baby and it let out a cry and then and then passed and I said oh I can't even imagine and my friend looked at me like I had (laughs) seven heads like you just went through that what do you mean you can't imagine but it's a different it was a different experience I didn't have that experience and so it's really just so important to value everybody's and you know just talking about being grateful and we we were the same Ever since I had land and I've been able to kind of take time every day to be grateful, but it didn't, uh, it wasn't as easy at first and it still takes work sometimes because for me and what I've heard from some other women as well is that one of the feelings that you have after you have a loss and then another child comes is the crippling fear of (laughs) something going to happen to those children. And for me, uh, it, it took a couple of years and I still battle with just that that struggle. I'm a different mom now um, than I would have been had I not had a loss in that way. And so um, I just wanted to take a minute and kind of like, I hear you for those moms who are, who are going through that and who find each day a challenge and, and find the joy and you know about the joy, but it's just that, that constant fear that something's around the corner. And so um, if I could go back to my second pregnancy and tell myself, <laughs> to be not to be different but to to just kind of you know let things go and find more joy and try to be less fearful I would but it's just a reality those feelings just did they in. to interrupt you they so Landon had down syndrome so with it's Kate right yes so with Kate were you told that she likely would as well yes so. she had actually um we had had the some testing done and she had a higher chance of having it actually than he did with those tests Mm -hmm. and she did have some markers when she was born that could suggest um that the possibility was there and so that was another um just just thrown in there after she came (laughs) um but you know what like I would have you know after having like I didn't care that Landon had Down syndrome I would have taken him in a heartbeat of course and and so likewise when she when she came and that there was that chance it was just like okay well we'll just you know we'll learn to to go move forward with whatever way but she um after further tests she she didn't have any Mm -hmm. uh, chromosome disorders of any kind she's she's good to go so then you had that and then you go through another high risk pregnancy. Yes. So then like you become even more fearful. Yeah. Uh, even though we're lucky enough to have with the second pregnancies or third or whatever, uh, to be watched 
thoroughly. Yes. Right? Which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like it almost gave me... More fear. More fear. (laughs) More fear. Because you see things that you wouldn't normally see. Like with Mm -hmm. Kate, she was... uh, Well, I had gestational diabetes with her, so they throw another thing in the mix. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, just keep me on my toes. Look how strong Kim is. (laughs) Let's try this too. And so so because I was monitored so closely, which I'm so grateful for, um, you know, she, she kept... Uh, measuring smaller and smaller and smaller and so it started to become a concern that she was getting too small and anyway um every time they put that doppler on your belly after you've gone through not hearing a heartbeat it's just that like you know you just tense until it's on there and you hear it Mm -hmm. and so would i have wanted to be monitored less to take away that fear no no no. (laughs) but it's certainly uh it's certainly different yeah than that that you know first time mom and not knowing because with Landon, we had one ultrasound, and with Kate, we had, like, one a week. Yeah. So, you know, like, at some yeah. point, so. I always f- feel bad for these. They get the 20-week ultrasound, and that's it. Like you, that's how you found out about the boys, right? At 20 yep. weeks. 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but he was 19 weeks and four days. Yeah. Three days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Monday. Yeah, it was 20 weeks. It's just, like, it's incredible because how, at that point, do you discover something? I, I always say that we're lucky that the doctor couldn't find her heartbeat to get us where we were uh, at such an early point. Because had we gone 20 weeks and then had our first ultrasound and realized how sick she was and then already had a house full of stuff, and mm, yeah. which would make it even worse. I uh, have, when I left the hospital, same thing. I think I was in and out of there in a couple of hours. Like I just wanted to be out mm-hmm. and be away from it. So when I came home, I didn't have to come home to that at least, yeah. which was nice but at the same time I I didn't grieve for a very long time I just ignored it and pushed it aside which I mean I think most people can tell from my personality I don't have a whole lot of emotion so I do I just I I suppress it and then it all comes out in one big blast it took me until I met you guys really to even start telling people what Mm -hmm. happened yeah and I think that's what's so important about the walk and having all and even just at this table like all these different experiences so that people can talk about it and know that you know somebody can have a really similar experience and have completely different feelings about it or you know just to kind of lean on each other because my experience would have been the opposite where we came home to a house full mm-hmm. because um the the day that I that Landon's heart stopped beating was the evening of Tony's my husband's diaper party and so we were you know we had went into the hospital in the morning and we're told like you're probably having a baby this evening and you know come back and, and that kind of stuff and and then we went home and when I wasn't feeling all that movement and, and back in and no heartbeat um you know I remember coming home from the hospital and my husband walking up the stairs with an empty car seat and that will stay in my mind mm-hmm. forever there was some comfort in having land and stuff in the house initially but then the more time it was in there the harder it was to to kind of put it away I guess and we ended up, we were building a house and I, I'm really thankful because I think, I don't know how long we would have, how long would have, you know, how I could have taken his mm-hmm. room apart otherwise. And yeah, it's funny with the stuff because where we were like mid-pregnancy, but I was just, I was nervous anyway, just was partly knowing so many people who had had losses before. Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't rush out and buy anything when we found out we were pregnant and then, and then he, he passed away at 19 weeks. So when I went home, I didn't have stuff but then as time went on I almost wish I'd had just something like like I wish I had bought him a little toy or just I mean yeah. we only found out it was because you usually get your gender ultrasound at 20 weeks so mm-hmm. we only found out he was actually a boy when he was born you get a, a great memory box from the hospital so we like I clung into all of those things but just yeah it was 
it was it's the two sides like I'm, I was so thankful to not have to deal with the stuff but on the other hand I almost wished I'd had a few more yeah that's a really good point yeah absolutely the stuff wasn't too bad for me we gave a lot of it away which made me feel better but what it, you folks are talking about you know how these things affect you emotionally and just made me think of the one I think most painful moment for me was having to figure out what to do with the milk afterwards because mm-hmm. Charlotte was in the NICU for 36 days. They were really, really pushing on how helpful it would be for her to get breast milk once she was strong enough to do that. That was like my big goal in my head. So I was like pumping like Project. a maniac. <laughs> yeah. I was like a dairy cow for like a month like all the time. And I was like freezing these bottles and I had so much milk. Uh, and I was like set and in my mind I was gonna like save her with that you know what I mean I really was going to do that and we were when she passed it was like I honestly it was like that day or like they were like it's you know we're ready to to start giving her milk so it was so close and I didn't get it and I remember going home to my apartment and then just we bought a deep freeze yeah so like opening my deep freeze like full of this milk and that to me was like oh it was crushing that was like the most painful moment for me in in the, in the grieving process, I think, mm-hmm. because I was just, I don't know, I was just, it's like, what do I do with all this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I know I want to point out I'm not informed, but you can look, should you have that experience? I know yes. there are things you can do with yeah. your milk. Yes. I had some, and I think I would have felt so, so much better about what is now, as I said, probably the most painful memory if I had have known that it would have gone to help someone else. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. definitely, you know, look that up. And it's funny that that's something Kim and I talk about so often. I always say that's funny, not really, but you know, just like, <laughs> the expression that you use in everyday life, yeah, no. and then you think like that's really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just the like, we say like, oh well, if I were to have a loss again, here's what I would do differently. But you, you know, like, the things you learn after the fact that you you hope you never have to actually do, but you'll. Yeah. It's not the type of thing, you know, when you're researching baby names, you're not also researching, well, what if this goes south? Mm-hmm. What should I do? You know, just the, the things you learn after the fact it's, it's unfortunate. So that's another side of talking about it. It's just the, like putting the, just the thought out there or just like letting people know, maybe you'll stick it in the back of someone's head that if it happens, like, oh, I remember hearing something about I could do something with my milk. Just yeah. the, I think that was one of the questions in my mind when I knew we were coming here to have this discussion is like, what is that thing that you would want someone to take away from listening today? We have now, actually today is turning 11 months, so we, but it, it, was a, it was a long road to getting him here, and we almost, we almost had stopped trying because it, it was taking a long time. It was very, it's very taxing on you know, your, yourself and your relationship and everything. Um, but I think just knowing that the grief changes with time and becomes more manageable... But also that regardless of whether or not you do have other children, you can and will have a full life. I've always, I told my husband a million times, like, I just, I just feel like I was born to be a mom. Like, I just, I've always had that, like, inner, like, just, it's going to happen for me. And then when we weren't getting pregnant, we weren't getting pregnant and just starting to accept, like, well, maybe that's not what my life is going to look like. And, and we're so thankful for Michael, but it's, but we were, you know, like a couple months away from stopping to try. So just the, just knowing that if if, and we have we have some you know friends who who have tried and had multiple losses and, and didn't wind up having kids and just the just knowing that you're you know you're still a mom to those kids but you're it's it's not less of a life if you're not able to you still have a, a very happy full life and 
I guess I just want people to feel like they are not alone and I would hope that um, they re whomever is feeling like they are that they reach out to somebody and um, we we've had people reach out through the walk from many places and you know if we we aren't the ones that are able to be the best help we will try to to find your person <laughs> and um, and just know yeah you're not alone like I mean Every year we've had 200 people come to this walk. There's many, many new people every year. And it's, you know, it's not everybody's, you know, priority to meet in a huge group like that. And, you know, not it's not for everyone, but um, you can do it in other ways. You know, the online groups or, or something, but just to reach out to somebody because nine times out of ten, there's somebody feeling just like you. I couldn't agree more. And just to not let your own pain or, or fear of... Of facing that keep you from from love and support and resources because I was you know throughout when we first found out there was complications I did not want to answer the phone for mm. weeks I didn't want to talk to anyone I didn't want to talk to my parents I did not want to have to be as I felt like drowning in this in this pain mm -hmm. so I was like that for a while you know but then when we were sort of thrust into speaking to people about it like publicly you know, all I realized is that people care, you know, yeah. maybe sometimes everyone doesn't say the right thing. Maybe sometimes everybody doesn't fully understand what you are going through, but people care, you know, and they feel for you and they want you to feel better. So if you're able to, to break out of that shell and it's so easy to feel like, you know, I'm going to stay in this cocoon mm -hmm. and I'm going to be as safe as I can be, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just going to, this is where I'm okay. Yeah. But if you can break out of that, you know, it's, it, I found it really life changing for all of us and just just to be able to honor that person. You know, again, it's very private to how you, how you grieve, how you remember. That's completely up to you. But just do it in some way, you know. And it's okay to take your time. Absolutely. It's okay to take your time. That's, that's yeah. when you, you can make this, the decisions that are best for you and maybe not what someone else is telling you to do or how you think you should feel. Like, take the time to really decide how you feel because you're the one that has to live with your choices and your and your decision and and you know what's best to help you um overcome this it just might take a while to get there and i i didn't, wouldn't want anyone to just feel rushed or that they should no longer be grieving or you know you need to put those things in the room away like it's it's been too long like that's so individual so personal yeah. so yeah. there's no wrong way to grieve no. yeah. there's there's no set timelines and yeah, you shouldn't be feeling better at a certain point like it's just you'll yeah. feel different but. really you know said it so well when we said it's about perspective it, it really is of course you're going to feel pain and you're entitled to that pain of course and any negative feelings of, that you have of frustration what have you you know that child is always a part of you that experience is always a part of you so at the end of the day I found I reached a point where it was up to me whether I wanted to focus on you know on the love and on the good experiences we had or on the pain, you know. It, it can be something that is really, you know, it is really good for your heart even though it comes with pain. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for opening up and talking about this. I know it's a, a bit of an odd request, I think, to get someone sending you my saying, oh, by the way, do you want to come talk <laughs> yeah. about this on a beautiful sunny morning? And <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. and, no, I, and yes, none of you hesitated to say yes right away, which I, I think I knew you all just, just well enough to know that you, you did want to talk about these things for other people. And so I really appreciate you guys taking the time and, and sharing all these mm -hmm. thoughts. And Any chance to talk about our kids that we don't get to talk about often enough, like you, you know, if you have other kids, you can talk about
talk about their accomplishments, but we don't always get to say everyone's names. And so, yeah. 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 Can we, uh, before we go, the date of the walk this year and where to find it? So, go ahead. I feel like I talk so much. (laughs) (laughs) So the date of the walk is October uh, 14th. Registration starts at 1. It's at the Moncton Hospital um, in the atrium. Uh, We will have opening remarks at 1.40 and the walk is at 2. And uh, we'll return back to the atrium for uh, like some... Tea and coffee and sweets, um, and so that people can share and and bond uh, with others if they choose to. You can find the information and register for the walk um, on our webpage, which is walktoremembermoncton.weebly.com, and it's a free event and family friendly. So, okay, thank you.